And I was like, I, I know what Brian and them do would like totally drop Dude, weight. It's, it's group fitness. <clears throat> It's just something totally different. I don't even feel like they had that shit when I was a kid. Like I agree. We had the Capri Sun commercial. Yeah. But. That was it. We did have great commercials. Though. We did. The tank right? commercial. Like a rang tank come out and just like knock the shit Dude, out of everybody. The the Ego commercials. <laughs> yes. Egos were great. Um, The crisscross crash and, oh. sh- and shit like that. You remember, remember that? that. Crisscross crash. <laughs> Dude, it was like the. The cars are all going around the track oh, at the same yes. time. And they hit each other yeah. like explode. Dude. Yes. Oh, man. Like, the 90s were a great time, the 90s man. were. It was yeah. good times. Music Nostalgic was good. As fuck. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, so we were chatting about the Tool album. Yes. What have you been thinking about that? I, I love it because it's great, but I feel like it's, I don't know, it's, it's so much. It's, it's overwhelming. Yeah. It's a work. It is. It, I, I told my friends at work, it is not a rock and roll album. That is a classical piece of music, just in rock and roll style. Did you see, like, there was some meme going on? You might have been the one that shared it, because, like, I, I'm, like, trolling your stuff all the time. <laughs> and then, like, I, like, I'll, like, have to sometimes, I'm like, oh, man, he made this where I can't share it. I got to fucking <laughs> steal this. I got to <laughs> screenshot it. But uh, there was, like, a meme. It was, like, first time through. Oh, second time, third time. Numa is the best song on that. It was like the <laughs> process of like each time you listen to it, you're like, oh my God, have you guys heard the title track? Yes. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, oh. My friend Ryan, he uh, he's huge into Tool, and he's seen him like three or four times. And, like he went all the way to Arizona to see him once. Like he's my, huge. my friend Colby did too, man. Really? Yeah, yeah you know Colby, when they were there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Colby and uh, Chris Markletty, they both uh, that word is for you, by the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, they both uh, went to that show on the Halloween, really? right? They yes. dressed up as Led Zeppelin. Yes. Yeah. Brian went to that, and so Ryan, he's messaging me. He's like, "Have you heard the new Tool album yet?" And I was like, "My friend Brian just sent it to me, and I haven't listened to it." And yeah. So I'm listening. I was like, "I'll check it out." He was like, "You got to check out the last song, which is Tempest, right?" Yes. But I didn't know that because the order they were in, uh, Numa was the last one I got. Uh huh. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't share him. Yeah, no, you're fine. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I went and I listened to Numa first, and I sent it. That's my like, favorite one so far, dude. I told him I was like, "Dude, that song floored me." The moment the guitar kicks in, it's <sighs> like, dun, dun, dun. I was just like, "Oh!" Like I got goosebumps. That tone was great. Yeah, it was I awesome. was okay. So like, we were driving back. So it was actually. I'll just tell you right now. So like, we. Um, I was like totally no worries on scheduling because like I was in Nashville weekend before last and I was driving overnight back listening to the Tool album, right? So like we saw widespread panic. So like I get off work, leave, go straight to Nashville, watch them play an acoustic set at the Ryman. And uh, Todd Snyder set in with them and uh, this guy named Billy Strings, you ever heard of him? Uh Uh-uh. He's like uh, the bluegrass player. He's like 24 years old, but damn, he was jamming with these guys. That's awesome. In uh, like Panic's guitar player, if, if you've never heard of Jimmy Harry, and he's, uh, he's insane. Like he filled in for the Almond Brothers for a tour, so he okay. had to know like all of their yeah, stuff. Yeah, he has incredible skill already. Then. Yeah, uh, I don't know if, you, if you've ever heard of Colonel Bruce Hampton or the Aquarium Rescue Unit, but he was a guitar player for that band, and they had this huge catalog. Then Panic's guitar player dies. He takes over their catalog, and he toured with Bob Weir, so he could do the Grateful Dead catalog. Holy crap. That's an insane guitar player just yeah. off of that. Yeah, and like now he's just with Panic, and he does side stuff. But I don't know. Uh, okay, so yeah, we got off on that, because I was driving back from Nashville seeing that dude, and I was like, 
okay, the other band I care that much about, let's listen to this on the way back. Absolutely. Uh, so that's what Colby and I did, and we were just losing our minds, man. I bet. It was... It was everything that you that you hoped for, right? Yeah, absolutely. Even more. Yeah. For because a lot of I I was kind of skeptical. No, definitely. Thirteen years is a long time. I believe even Maynard just said in interviews like it was ready eight years ago. Did you yes, see that? I did see that. that pissed Man. me off so bad. I was like, where were you then? He, well, do you, I, okay, so maybe that wasn't Maynard. Uh, did you watch him like come on Joe Rogan's podcast? I did not. So uh, he's been on Joe Rogan's podcast like four times. So it's worth watching all of them. But recently, and he was like, well, there was a committee meeting and about this. And every time we were going to do that, we had to have a vote. and like Kind of like talking about it, like the business side of the band was maybe the biggest delay yeah. on like lining out because, man, Tool is like top 10 on all digital streaming right now. Are they still? I think so. Yeah. Like every one of their albums is in the top 10. And, I, and they're acting like they did it on accident. I know, yeah. Oh, oh we just... Yeah. Oh, all like of a it's sudden, like, that's the most like monetized move in all of music history, right? Yes, definitely. We're about to put out a new record. Let's release all of these and just make a trillion dollars real fast. It, well, and it's like right after. So I wonder too if they had any stake in. Like there was recently some sort of, uh, and I I could be get, I don't know any facts on this, but there's some sort of court ruling, Supreme Court ruling perhaps, about digital music and bands getting paid. I don't know the particulars, but uh. there's some sort of change in like Spotify and other platforms have to pay more now. Well, that's good, right? They, so I like they were robbing them. Oh yeah, it's, you get like uh, <clears throat> you know some guy named Rob Rob McCormick. He was on the podcast, and yeah. uh, we talked about this a little bit because he just like he only plays music for a living. Yeah, and you get paid like point zero 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 nine six seven two nine cents per listen. Good grief! But I mean, even if it was that, Tool's still raking it in. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, um, I shared something today and was joking about it. Um, somebody was like, "Who is this band Tool that nobody's ever heard of that knocked T Swift off the top 10? <laughs> that fucking pisses me off. <laughs> I mean, it was one of the funniest things I'd heard yeah. all day, man. It's pretty funny. Oh man, Tool. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I love it. But I was telling a friend the other day, though, I don't know. Like, unless I was going on a long car ride. If I would ever put it on in the car, because it's... It, uh, dude, I want to listen to it on the vinyl. Oh, that would be incredible. Do you have a record player? We do. Or do you do you yes. collect on vinyl? Yes, I bought my wife for her birthday. I got her a live album of Janis Joplin. Oh, sick! Um, it was fucking. It's cool. I only have um, a couple Floyd albums. Yeah, we have uh, a couple. Uh, let's see. I got the Animals album and. Oh, gotta have Animals. That's my fave. I think I think Dark Side of the Moon. I got my my first two goals are to collect all all the Floyd and all the Panic albums. I'm gonna do all the Zeppelin albums on yeah. vinyl, just because it's like if I'm gonna if I want to listen. That's what I mean. If if I'm in the living room and I'm like jamming YouTube on the TV, mm-hmm. dude, it's that. Yeah. Or maybe some Grateful Dead. Yeah. You know, which probably be that next. Yeah. Yeah. You ever you ever get any Grateful Dead? I only have like as like an adult. Yeah, I've listened to it a couple of times. I'm definitely more into more aggressive style of music. Yeah, for sure. So, Different sure. Grateful Dead is not really my for. I can appreciate it. Like yeah. they're incredible. Yeah, it's just not something I. I kind of what got, I'm not even like would say I'm like super into them. I couldn't tell you a dozen songs. I could like one time name like 79 widespread panic songs off the top of my head. Like, Damn, I, like that's my that's my favorite band. But um and, <clears throat> but, not so much with. 
anybody else that I can think of. Tools up there. Yeah. You know, like I have a tool only playlist on my Spotify. It's huge. I, I get into Mastodon a lot. Uh, you know, I saw them. Uh, I see your shirt. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw. Uh, did you see him? With, oh, guy. yeah, yeah. We we established that maybe on the digital world, uh, uh, in the comment section or something. I went to that Les Claypool and. Yeah. Was it, was it Les Claypool and Mastodon? Yes. Yeah, Les and you Claypool, were at that? Ma- yes. And yeah. then uh, I saw Mastodon before that uh, with A Perfect Circle. Oh, dude. When did you see A Perfect Circle? They were at, uh, there was last year, the year before, there was a music festival called Carolina Rebellion in North Carolina. Wow. It had A Perfect Circle, Mastodon, Gojira, um, Amon and Marth, which is like a Viking metal band. And uh, it, basically every great metal band that's touring right now was on that. And it was unbelievable. And Maynard, like, stood in the back the entire time in the dark. You couldn't even see the man. And, like, any time the camera panned across the band, it would pan until it got to Maynard, and then it would cut, and then it would go to the other side of him and pan across. Never showed Maynard he a does single that shit time. On purpose, I was man. like, you motherfucker. <laughs> Dude, um, he said, he ta- talked to the crowd a couple of times. I saw him last year in Texas, and he started off the show. Everybody's like, oh my God. Oh my God. You know, just like waiting and like you could you could see him at the beginning and that was the only time and he goes, Hey Texas <laughs> and, and then it just like then like what you're talking about began. Yes. Uh but he did talk to the crowd a couple of times. Uh they opened with um Marching Like Sheep. It oh, was sick. That's awesome. They yeah. they uh I forget the name of the song, but he's like, We're gonna do a song that we wrote is about something we're very passionate about. It's about butt sex. And then he performed the entire song singing with a fucking shake weight in his hand. And he's like making the most phallic things towards his face the entire time with this shake People weight. People just like, you know what's funny is like anybody that, which I don't even really get what he's doing. So let me not like oh, come yeah. across that way. <laughs> but I kind of get what he's doing because I've like got into some. Carl Jung and stuff over oh, the yeah. years and Carl's I've made great. some connections. Actually, dude, I remember like <clears throat> when I lived in Spring Lake with uh, Nick Lyons, which would have been like 2008 or nine. I remember you posting like some super deep tool lyrics on like Facebook or something and I was like taking like tons of philosophy at the time and I was like yeah. You know, that just like overwhelming. You. I want to say I maybe even messaged you about it. And was like, did. I'm taking Charlie Bush right now. You just blew my mind. <laughs> did, yes. did that happen? That did. Yeah, happen. I did. Because um, at that time, I was getting into so much more music than any time. I mean, I've gotten you know, every year I've get into doing different. So I didn't listen to Widespread Panic until 2015. Really, and now they're like your favorite band, dude. That's impressive. They, that that, and I've been telling this story a couple of times to people like. I saw them in D.C., right? And they were playing just a Neil Young song. They're the Neil Young cover band. They play a lot of Neil Young songs. Like, they played Heart of Gold the other night. That's awesome. With the rhyming, yeah. I love Neil Young. Me too, man. He's but great. They were playing Walk On. Yeah. They also cover Cortez the Killer by Neil Young, if you've never heard that. Uh, there's so. a live version of him playing in the 80s, and, like, it's just, wow. But, uh, dude, they were playing Walk On, and it just, like... Made me cry, dude. I never cried like, 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 like wept is a like openly. Yeah. At any at any memorable time in my life, d- due to music, you know. Yeah. Or really m- many other things other than like you know uh, s- sad stuff. Yeah. You know, it was like, but it was like just overwhelming uh, feeling of like almost like when you get goosebumps. 
But I was just like, dude, I've been listening to music and playing music like my whole, uh, uh, more than half my life at this point, listening to music all this time, have always had an interest in music. And I don't even know how you're doing what you're doing, dude. Like how all of it, all, all of them were, because there's six guys in the band, but they've Damn. been doing it since 80, the, it's a band since 87, so like my entire life. Yeah. But they were just killing it, and I was like, dude, you, why you guys are making me feel? And I just lost it, man. That's just, awesome. It was wild. I, you gotta love those moments where it's like almost an existential thing where you just kind of like you like step out of yourself and just realize that there's these dudes are like they're they're locked in like the, they're like one thing right now and they're just killing it. Like Mastodon does that. They do it like I don't know if it's scripted or not, but they do like a 13 minute breakdown or occasionally. They just all of a sudden one of them will start jamming it and then. Every one of them just picks up, and they lock in for like 13 minutes. They're just making this that's shit what up. I, that's why I kind of started liking jam bands over the last... And I don't like listening to a ton of jam bands. Yeah. But but you could say Panic was a jam band. I don't listen to Fish or anything. But uh, they Panic does this thing called sandwiches. Yeah. I don't know if that's an official term, but I think it is. All right, so that, they'll be like... They got this one song called Surprise Valley. It's got this like... It's kind of it's kind of hard little um, drop to it. They where they start off and then they'll they'll meander off and they'll jam for like fourteen minutes, just like what you're talking about. Yeah. Then they're like, they might even play five songs, and then they're like, oh, we're right back here, surprise bell right now, boom, boom, boom. just like r- drop right back into the end of the song. Yeah. Right. They're like, hey, we're gonna do this. And they do that with dozens of their songs. They sandwich them. So, like, people talk to Panic fans are like, did you get that fish water sandwich in Memphis? Like, <laughs> like that Surprise Valley sandwich. But when we saw them um, play the other, they did a Surprise Valley sandwich, it, the Ryman. And I saw them play for my birthday. They uh, they did Surprise Valley, then they did, like, five songs, and then they finished Surprise Valley. So sometimes they do stuff like that where it's like, that you fuck your head so bad. Yeah, they'll do like Surprise Valley, one song, Surprise Valley, another song. That's what they did at Red Rocks the other month. And I've never like I've never seen bands do anything. Like I'm just like noting on musical uh creativity, like yeah. what you're saying, like, oh, what are they doing? Yeah. It's like are you freestyling this or have you spent six months locked in a room together practicing this one thing and now you've got like eight of these because you've been together for your entire life? It's, yeah, it's crazy. Like we saw, uh, I think he's from the Almond Brothers. Actually, the guy that's in Government Derek Mule. The, have you seen uh, Government uh, Mule? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen. I haven't got to see him live. But, but uh, Warren Haynes. Yeah. 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 He dude. He plays with the, the Panic all the time. Does he, they, they. We saw them. We were going to watch. Uh, I think it was ZZ Top at Memphis in May, and yeah. they were the band before yeah. them. And the wife oh. and I are very adamant about. You go see the band before the one you want to see. So when everybody leaves that band, you can get up front and see the one you want to see. Right. So we're slowly working our way towards the front, and then as we're doing, Government Mule is just freaking blowing my socks off, man. It's Dude, like, Warren Haynes like shreds. That motherfucker can play. And like that band, they all like back that dude up so well. It's like, I don't even understand how people fit together that well. Yeah, it, it is. That's what, that's what is so fascinating about Panic or Tool 2. Four guys getting along that long, six guys getting along that long, and yeah. like one of Panics, I think a reason that a lot of people like our age haven't heard it because I didn't hear, I didn't even hear about them. I didn't know anything about them, and yeah. their guitar player died in '99, or I'm sorry, um, '02. Yeah, and 
that was at their like pinnacle. And they had a concert one time in, in the Athens, Georgia, where it closed off the streets and stuff. It's called Pankin Street. And it's like 80,000 people or something. I may probably get the stat wrong and like people will roast me. But uh, they're like th- crazy numbers. Like that many people went to a panic show. Yeah. You know? And, uh, but their guitar player died. And uh, that is like talking to fans that have like been listening to him since the 90s at like the shows. I'm like, why do you think I hadn't heard of him? Like I've asked like three people that I'm like, why, what was, what sense does it make? I didn't hear this band. And like too, like I'm like, yo, Jeremy, you ever heard of Widespread Panic? You're like, you might have heard of them because you like listen to music and stuff. But like ninety seven percent are like, yeah, I had heard the name. I don't still. I do not think I've heard a single Widespread Panic song, dude. Yeah, well, you know, if you ever want any need any recommendations, let Absolutely. me know. Send me some. I definitely turn people onto him like uh, like I'm witnessing. Or something, I'm like, allow me to turn to the book of panic. I'm always that kind of witnessing. Yeah, (laughs) me too. Knock on my door anytime. Me too. (laughs) But they, uh, they are they're truly unique. They're, you know, I would put them in the same sort of category as like Almond Brothers or uh, Tedeschi Trucks or yeah. It's hard to categorize them though. Yeah, they're they're southern. They got a lot of southern twang to them, but. It's hard to say Southern rock, but it's hard to it's hard to call them a Southern band because they're non-stereotypical. Is a Southern band, you know? Yeah. So they're they're an anomaly. I've never seen seen their guy. But it, just like other things, like what we're talking about with Tool, or like what you're saying with Mastodon, I see Les Claypool a while back too. He yeah. played like two two people before Panic with uh, one of the Lennon brothers. John Lennon's son. Okay. I don't know if it was uh, Julian or which one it was. I can't remember. But Lennon, Lennon uh, Claypool, Delirium. Yeah, okay. It I was pretty good. Dude. They played some Floyd. Like, dude, really? those Claypool covers tons of Floyd. You ever you ever see him cover any Floyd? Uh-uh. Oh, dude. That's worth – I went down a rabbit hole with that on uh, – I can't imagine what that would sound like. Dude, he covers – sometimes like... he covers whole Tool albums it shows, dude. Or a whole uh, – uh, Floyd albums it shows. I have to look at the. I yeah, dude. Did hold that. on, hold on. Where's my phone? I'll just throw it up on the TV and we'll hear it in the headphones. But All the right. audience well, will not hear it. But I'll tell them what the video is. Yeah, um, Les Claypool, Pink Floyd. Uh, you know, uh, my friend Michael Booty. He's a guy I work with. He's an English professor. He went and saw uh, Nick Mason. In Dallas, the drummer for okay. Pink Floyd, yeah, play and they uh, they put together this like Sid Barrett tribute. Really? Yeah, and they're doing like the whole Saucer Full of Secrets album, I believe. Nice. Yeah. Let's see. Les Claypool covers Pink Floyd. This one is an hour and eleven minutes. Jesus. I'm just trying to. I just want to find a good video. This has 116,000 views. Here we got. Um, Les Claypool's Frog Brigade. Like, he's had so many side cover bands and different things. Yeah, they did and the I think Willy Wonka thing for an entire tour. Yeah. When, what, do you remember what it was in, what was uh, uh, when he did with Buckethead? I saw Buckethead a while back, and that blew my mind. I dude. bet it was. Buckethead's crazy. Yeah, it it was. Uh, he gave away Christmas presents during the show. Did it wasn't really? even Christmas. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> He's a weird Like, dude. that was the intermission. <laughs> he just handed out, like, this the bag full of, like, little toys and stuff. That's awesome. It was, I got a video of it on my phone. It was, it was weird. Hell yeah. 
Okay, I'm, I have that unplugged from the back of the TV, so we won't hear it. In the, I, I'm just going to plug it in. Hold on a second. All right. So is this like a, I mean, I don't think that's him playing the acoustic. Yeah. I don't know who he's got. Uh, this, uh, let's see if, uh, this just says Les Claypool covers Pink Floyd. I bet he does it for the whole set. Probably. Because it's that, it's that long. But, uh, oh, okay, yeah, it's the Frog Brigade. Okay. Let me, uh, I'll, I'll Google real quick Les Claypool's uh, Frog Brigade. We'll see who all's in the band. Oh, dude, I got tickets to go see Tool today. Really? Yeah, in Tulsa. Tulsa? It's a BOK Center. See, we're going to be doing like seven days a week, 12-hour days, starting at the beginning of October all the way through Thanksgiving. Otherwise, I would be seeing Tool. And it's like, of course, the only time they're anywhere near here is when I will not be able to go see them. I've been traveling so much. I, like, I just can't pass. I couldn't pass it up, but like, uh, I'm just going to take off that night at the gym, but... Uh, it, like working the university, I got. I, I'm only teaching five classes a semester. I was teaching six classes both my first two semesters on the job. Damn. Yeah, I was. It, it was. Uh, oh, they cut. I don't know what happened. Cut off. Uh, but yeah. Here I'm gonna turn this down a little bit. That way we can just have it. We'll just play it in the background. Cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dude, uh, so I got to see Roger Waters a couple times. Oh, that would be they, awesome. It was. I mean, you know, obviously, I want to yeah. see Duncan Gilmore. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, uh, it, it, you know, it wasn't an option. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> but, dude, people ask me, they're like, what's the best concert you've ever been to in your whole life? I'm like, Roger Waters, hands down, no questions. And then I talk shit about the guy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> he's easy to talk shit about, man. The I know, dude. He's a douche. Oh, man. But he's fucking incredible at the same time. Like He is? Maybe the greatest lyricist on Creative Earth. genius, man. Yes. Uh, you ever get into any David Gilmore solo stuff? I have not listened to any of it. I, I mean, I haven't listened to a ton. I've really only listened to his first album solo. It's called... Um, oh, man. No, it's not called Raise My Rent. That's one of the songs on the album. But it's good. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's really good. Post Waters Pink Floyd really pissed me off to the point that I just kind of gave up on David Gilmore. Yeah, I could see that. Have you, uh, you know, have you, there's a documentary of him on YouTube, like, kind of goes into his process. And, dude, when you look at all the people he's produced over the years, like, and backed and paid for and really? recorded, it's an amazing story. But, uh, like, all of the people that he has backed that have become something. And then, too, all of the other songs that he was involved in or passed on that became a famous song, Somebody Else. Really? Yes. Because David Gilmore, like, he's like, oh, I couldn't write any lyrics, so I was always, like, open to people's lyrics. Just like, you know, you're like George Strait. I think he does that same thing. I hate to compare David Gilmore to George Strait. Yeah. But, like, he he was just, like, basically, like, a few of the songs that he had bought over the years, uh, lyrics for, he ended up passing on, and then somebody else ended up making a 
famous song out of, like a That's hit awesome. single or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You you never know who writes lyrics to stuff these days. Like, there's a TV show I saw when I was at the gym the other day. The, the sole goal of it is they put three people on a panel, and the guests. One of them was like Weird Al Yankovic, who I've seen. He was live. just in Arkansas, dude. I, I I didn't see him this time, but I saw him at Bonnaroo, dude. And Weird Al's like one of the coolest concerts you'll ever go to. Dude, that's what I've heard, man. Like it's, I was seeing Panic last when I think uh, I was in Pensacola when he was here the other night, and I was like, oh, yeah. You should have felt like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Panic's great. Yeah. But weird, uh, like he wears all the costumes. He did White and Nerdy on stage wearing that ridiculous oh, outfit, wow. riding around on a Segway the entire time. That dude is super creative. He is. Man. He had, like, whenever he goes to change costumes, he's got, like, skits that he puts up on the screen of, like, him interviewing Eminem. And it's just, like, Eminem continuously getting more and more mad because Weird Al is weird. And he's just, like, asking him the dumbest shit you can think of. And Eminem's just like, I don't even want to fucking be here anymore. Like, why don't I even talk to you? It, it's it's great. Like, he's just, they're pointless other than they're killing time for him to come out in a fat suit or come out dressed oh, like a peacock. Yes. Or this dude, once you get a history like that, that's why I like, I'm thinking about that all the time, just like documenting things. That's why I like, man, we're in the process of moving to a way bigger spot. Really? Before the end of the year, yes. Um, do you know where the Back to Basics location yeah. is? Like, we're purchasing that. Really? Yes. That's Unless awesome. something uh, horribly goes wrong with the whole deal we've been putting together over the last several months. So that, but one thing I'm uh, going to put in there is like, I'm probably going to move. I don't know if I, I'm probably going to keep this studio together, but I'm going to set up like per like, and I record for the gym. Like I have a YouTube at the gym, but I'm just setting up to like document everything all the time. I'd like to be able to do that here at the gym. I got my office set up like that on campus. I can podcast there. I got a couple awesome. of chairs. I got like two chairs set up in there. But uh, just like always be to always be capturing stuff, man, because it, on down the road, you can repurpose it, re put it back together, reshare it, yeah, edit it, whatever. It's it, always there. It's good to have a reference too of how things were at that time. Like maybe you're super mad about Donald Trump now, and then 20 years from now, it's like, okay, maybe we got a couple of dickheads for him that were worse than him later oh, on. It's like man. maybe he doesn't piss me off as much anymore. Oh, wouldn't that be crazy? That would be. Three things you don't like about Donald Trump. Uh, or three things you do. <laughs> I can't come up with three things. <laughs> three things. I, one thing I do like about him, the forgiving student loan debt for uh, veterans. veterans. Yeah, I saw you. Dude, I, I did see you share that. And I was like, okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. Nobody, Yeah, nobody, nobody would disagree with that. Yeah. I hate this full of shit. And people just let him get away with Reading it. Reading his speeches is the funniest shit ever, man. Oh is God. it not? Yes. It's like the man uses the word bigly. Like, why? I almost said bigly today just because I wanted to I wanted to poke fun. But yeah. I was like, man. My my friend Mike just got tool tickets, Mike Page. He's nice. like one of the bite belts from Northwest Arkansas. Hell yeah. That's good, man. That is good. It's yeah. got to be good to go to a concert with a bunch of guys that know jujitsu too. That way, if like oh, if you're man. having a good time and somebody just wants to be an asshole, you're not worried that they're gonna be an asshole. It is, you know, and ruin things for you. It, well, you said you went to Bonnaroo, particularly. Like I've been <clears throat> to a ton of festivals, but like I am always because uh, we've only had like one minor incident um, in Nashville last year where somebody like stepped on Cora and then fell on Colby and I was uh and it's like a super fucked up person and I was just like 
Oh, my God. I bet <clears throat> I immediately handled the situation as the best I could. Yeah. But uh, it was... Uh, it's one of those things. It's like it's immediately honed you into what's going on. I really did not enjoy the rest of the show or anything because I was just like, like my my adrenaline was jacked. Yeah. After that, but I'm you know there's always like so many fucked up people around at, at any concert, whether they're drinking or doing whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> we were at uh, one of the first time we went to Bonnaroo. We were seeing Paul McCartney. Which was awesome, by the way. And I'm not even a Paul McCartney fan, but like that I, guy was in the uh, Beatles. Yes, uh, yes. He's like playing the guitar he wrote freaking Blackbird on, and like making jokes about like he saw he was him and the Beatles went to see Jimi Hendrix the week after they released Sgt. Pepper, and Jimi played the entire album of Sgt. Pepper live right then. It had been out for a week, and he played the whole thing start to finish. And, uh, like, he's out there, and he gets the whammy bar going. And this is the 60s where the whammy bar doesn't completely lock, so it detunes the guitar, right? And he said, Jimmy's so fucked up, he goes, I can't tune this guitar. Is Eric out there? And he was talking about Eric Clapton. And Eric Clapton was out there. (laughs) And he was like, Eric, will you tune my guitar? And Eric just went, fuck you. And so Jimmy was like, fine. And he just got another guitar and finished the concert or whatever. But, like, telling stories like that. Is that on video or is that just, like, a a circulated story? I would love to see that. It it may be on video. I'll have to look it up. I'll see if it's on YouTube. That's an awesome story. It's great. But uh, so we're there and we're watching this. And Bonnaroo, it's a three-day festival or four days. And it's in Tennessee and it's in the summer. So it's fucking June. It's 900 degrees outside. Everybody's drinking booze all day long. My wife and I, responsible adults, camelbacks full of water, right? So we're at this concert. It is so easy to get dehydrated at a show at a festival. Particularly. So we're sitting there and we're drinking this water, right? And these dudes next to us are like, hey, man, what you got in that camelback? I was like, water. He goes, like, fucking for real, man? You got water? I was like, yeah. He goes, Dude, we will smoke you guys out to the point of being retarded if you'll give us some of that water. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? How about you just have some water? <laughs> it's like, it's Dude, okay. I, I was at a show. Okay, the, the paint show the other day, they wouldn't give you bottles of water for whatever reason. I don't know. We're going to use them as a weapon. I don't know why. No bottles. They poured it in the cup. And then, like, um, with this guy that we know just from falling panic and he falls panic, uh, he was just like, you guys want to see what I snuck in? bottle of water and everybody was like oh this dude's got a bottle it was like currency man (laughs) down in the pit like have you seen uh, water guy yeah it was funny that is funny yeah well uh dude so like what have you been up to these days uh just other just working still jamming Uh, not really i'm getting back into it though i uh Gonna start playing a lot more. Gonna get some more, some better equipment pretty soon. Dude, and, I've been going through that. I had to show you um, my music set up across the way yeah. uh, when we get done. But that's uh, I've just been getting all the shit I always wanted, man. Yeah. Honestly, so yeah, it's more fun to play when you have a guitar that you feel that feels fits you and feels like it's the thing you should be playing, and you get a pedal that'll give you the multiple sound effects you Dude, want like, I, you just bought, I just bought all the pedals Did you? that i wanted yeah you just turn on a flanger and just sit there and make weird noises i know dude no and reason. then hey i heard a bunch of guitar players talking about doing that same thing and that's how they they like figured it out like tom morello uh every every guitar player study that has effects in their in their game is like yeah i should spend you know an hour a day playing with this pedal then the, tomorrow we we'll play with the other pedal. And yeah, then maybe I'll put them in sequence this way today and see if 
they do weird shit. And then if not, I'll swap them tomorrow. Well, and that, the way they're talking, it's like in the pedal exploration, that's where they write riffs. That's where all, all the creative stuff. Like, I just got a Digitech Whammy. Ooh. And like, I have, I don't even know how to use it, dude. It's crazy, isn't it? But it, it is, man. Oh bastard. my gosh, I sound like shit, but I sound <laughs> like the sound of Tom Morello, dude. I'm <laughs> yep. just like, oh, it, like the Octaver and stuff. Yes. It's, it's wild, man. Yes. My buddy Josh, we used to do, we used to just mess around when it was just me and him, and uh, we would play uh, Becoming from Pantera. And that was like the only time we would ever play that song. It was when we were just messing around because he'd pull out that whammy pedal and it's like, bum, bum, wheel, bum, 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 wheel, bum, bum, Like and he just pulls that pedal out and we just sit around for like an hour just playing that one riff just because the whammy pedal is crazy. Yeah. The, the, yeah, it is. It's, I, I got a whammy. I got just a original uh, Crybaby Wah. Well, of course. You got um, to. Then I got just like a whole setup. Like I got a Boss pedal board set up, which is kind of like uh, I got a um, DD2 Delay, uh, just a classic DS1. Thank you. Um, a course, a flange. Just like it's just like a, it's like the f- pedal board has all the uh, power strip and everything on it. So, and then I'm running like what I'm, I just did too. I just actually bought a PA. Don't tell Cora. She doesn't know about it. Right. It's in the back of my car. <laughs> um, Does she listen to this? I don't know. Sometimes. If so, Cora, um, I will tell you about it. Don't hurt me. Okay, yes. <laughs> yes. Sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> uh, but anyway, but so like previously for vocals in the room, I had this, this uh, a powered speaker, and I'm going to run that as like my... Um, Clean, like I'm gonna do a clean speaker, a speaker for clean. And I'm gonna use my orange for effects, Ooh, right? Yeah. But on my clean speaker, I'm running a loop of effects, and I'm putting some of my pedals on my acoustic amp, like a couple of them. Yeah. So I'm running a couple of different loops. That's awesome. I, you know, so that's what I when we when I was in the band before we got a fourth person, we had three. I took my uh, my bass and I split the signal. And I ran one set of signal just clean into our PA, and maybe yeah. maybe put a whammy or a wet or a wah pedal on it or something, you know, just to make some weird noises sometimes. And then the other one, I would run it through an octaver to drop it down and then distort it, and all, so I was like the bass and the rhythm guitar section at the same time, like just split the signal, and make two different sounds, and carry. It. So Josh could just shred the fuck out of a guitar, which is what Josh Bean does. But you know, just crazy shit you can do with music is just so fun. Yeah. Yeah, uh, dude, I got a um, uh, this this is I have a like the possibilities of what I could do with it. I don't even know. I'm just doing the most basic shit ever. But a um, a looper. Oh, loopers! I got a a, like a a a decent uh, boss looper. It's like the mid grade one. It's not like the. It doesn't have all of the program drum beats. It's got some. It's got like a metronome, and I can do multiple tracks. But. like I have, like I'll, I'll do, like I'll like record something, and then I'll like pl- uh, play a lead over it, or I'll mm-hmm. I'll record the lead over it, and then I'm like, I'm gonna play my bass. And, yeah, you know. But it's like the stuff that I could be doing is way cooler than that. I just have I haven't figured out the potential yet. I spent like three hours in my living room with a looper pedal on my stuff, playing the entirety of "Sail" from uh, AWOL Nation. Oh yeah, on my nice. bass when that song first came out. I loved it when it's kind of burnt out now. I, but. I, I liked it too, man. I, we still have it on some of the gym playlists and stuff. It comes yeah. on periodically. It's a, you hear the uh, Devil Driver cover of it? No. Devil no. Driver is like a, 
I don't know if you call them death metal or not, but like they're a metal band and they do it at like twice the speed. But it's actually pretty great. Dude, we're listening to Les Claypool right now. We are. But and it does not <laughs> I know, dude. But you hear that bass, like that's not Roger Waters, man. Roger Waters should be ashamed of himself after listening to this. What you know what got the whole like me posting about David Gilmore on Facebook thing going? It's like we were on our way back. Actually, we were on our way to see a perfect circle. That show I mentioned, the ago, driving to Dallas down I thirty, and Colby's like, "Dude, Roger Waters like one of the top five bassists of all time." And so I was like, "Get the fuck out of my car!" <laughs> I was like, "Challenge accepted, <laughs> yes. dude." And on our way back from that perfect circle show, a couple of days later, we drove back because like the driving back from Nashville, like an overnight thing. And, like, for five and a half hours, we just debated. And then, like, we get about Moralton on our way back. Pink Floyd comes on. Nice. <laughs> and we're like, listen, the radio Pink Floyd comes on, and he just loses his mind. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's that's exactly, that was the origin story of, like, me always talking about how David Gilmore is better. Now it's like, I always say, I'm like, David Gilmore's backbone of Pink Floyd. <laughs> But uh, there's this kid that comes in. He's like a teen. He comes into the gym, does like MMA class, and um, his mom trains. He's got brothers that train, and uh, he's always wearing a different Pink Floyd shirt. And I was like, dude, David, David Gilmore, Roger Waters. He's like, who's that? And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) so I've been educated, (laughs) like super educating. I'm like, bro, you ever heard dogs? And he's just like, no, man. I was like, bro, David, David's work on dogs, okay? He it's did the, the, the main riff on dogs, okay? Yes. Which is what we're listening to right now, yeah, <laughs> actually. It is. So uh, I was just like, you got to look into it. And he like comes back and he's like, dude, that song was like like 17 minutes. <laughs> and is. I was like, I know, right, man? It's like <laughs> a rock opera. <laughs> and he's just like, no, it's too long. It's too- and I was just like. All right, so we're gonna move on to the next assignment. <laughs> but it's uh, it's funny. I'm always I'm always just ripping on him about Pink Floyd. That's awesome. Yeah. You ever see any uh, like Pink Floyd cover bands that were any good or anything? Uh, we saw one uh, at one of the, uh, one of the music festivals uh, up on the Mulberry a while back. It's it was just the Birds Fest. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that was called Dark Side of the Moon. Okay. I can't remember what they were called, but they were okay. But I see them playing all over the place. I really didn't think they were the best. So yeah. But man, there's so many Pink Floyd cover bands out there. I see different ones playing. There's a ton of Grateful Dead cover bands. Yeah. Um, Greta Van Fleet. It's a Led Zeppelin cover band. Did did I get that? thing i shared on my podcast page from your page where it was like the two cats yes that was me yeah 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 i i, I posted that on the podcast page did you yeah that's, that's so awesome. funny yeah people were loving that dude that's fucking hilarious man because it's so true like the first time i heard him i was like well, this man's kind of cool i was like and then i was like the next song i heard was like okay you're pissing me off see that's what's so fascinating about like pink floyd what inspired that sound other than like maybe the blues, you know, and yeah. it being just like super vague. Like I can't think like when they really like started uh I don't know, what's that album with um 
Uh, echoes on it. Uh, metal. Yeah, like, dude, they're super put together by then. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. You know, but, like, that that being, like, a song where I'm like, whoa. You know, like, that's, uh, it's, like, truly unique still to me. Yeah, it's and, like, how, how did you make that? Yeah, There's and it's like, like, what that. inspired that? You can't think of anything. Like, with Tool, like, what inspired that? You can't think of anything. I think Panic's the same way. Yeah. So it's just, it, it, they are uh, anomalies. Now, Led Zeppelin plagiarized a bunch of shit, and I hated it when I found out about yes. that because then I'm like, just like Panic has over 600 songs in their catalog, and they, they, did they do so many covers? Did they did New Mother Nature and No Sugar Tonight the other really? night? Oh, it was so good. I've oh, been chasing it. Awesome. And, uh, but they did Heart of Gold the other night. They just do tons of covers and just say it's a cover. Yeah, that's all you got to do. You want to put it on an album, work it out. Yeah. If you think you, you're going to make more money off of it, just do, pay the royalties. So I never I never got why Led Zeppelin would do that. Yeah, I don't get that either. Other than it's the 70s and YouTube doesn't exist and it's real easy. Like, whoever heard of, well, I don't remember the name, the Rainbow or whatever, they supposedly stole, no, Rainbow had D.O. in it. Uh, I forget the name, but the band they supposedly stole uh, Stairway. Stairway, yeah. I, nobody had ever heard of them. I still hadn't heard of them whenever uh, they came out and said that they stole that song. I had to look it up, and it was like one hit on I YouTube. I had not any of the songs they're saying. Like I had, uh, like a couple of the bands, uh, I, like I recognized, um, maybe a Muddy Waters song or something like that. But I, I, I could, I could be wrong. Uh, but like when I found that out, I just started researching. There's like this big long story and all these different songs and all these different artists and and like the side by side comparison. And I'm just like. Yeah, it's like you broke my heart. Yeah, I mean, I do love listening to some old school, like some seventies live Led Zeppelin. Absolutely, <sighs> it's good Man. stuff. Jimmy Page was insane. He, dude, he is. And his obsession with Aleister Crowley. Let's talk about no, no that. Kidding, what do you right? and Danny Carey too? Yeah. You seen the inside of that new Tool album? I have not. I'm scary, man. Is it? There's it some crazy shit in there. There's like a, a video, and I think it's Maynard's kid doing it. But there's a video of like a little kid opening it up, just like, ah, look. Ah. I'm just like, oh, ah, what is that? What's what's in it? Uh, just like crazy imagery, and then like uh, like like a the band member with like a uh, an overlay with like a symbol on it, but you could see the band member through. But you turn the page, and then it's just the band member. Okay. Um, but just like cool imagery, and it's all layered, like see, going. That, that's their freaking their love for that. What is it? Uh, sacred geometry mm-hmm. and. Uh, Cora has a flower of life tattooed on her DMT on her and shoulder. stuff like that. Yeah. I have a friend that got big into DMT for a while and he was coming back from trips and like explaining some like unbelievable stuff. And I don't know to believe that or not. Like, do we live in the matrix? I don't know. That what, guy, what did he see? Like, like he's telling me that he gets sucked out of his body and ends up like traveling through space. And then he ends up in this room that's like all these multiple colors that are pulsing and there's these huge pillars everywhere and these giant doors and they're like big golden doors, but they're like changing color. And there's this guy sitting on top, this little bitty guy that's just like staring at him and they're not talking to each other, but they're staring at each other. And the dude on top of the door looks at him and just like telepathically makes my friend feel like he is unworthy because he hasn't let go enough. So he can't go through this door. And so he's just standing there at this door and this dude stands up and like all of a sudden has this mallet in his hand and rings this giant gong next to him. And like Ryan 
sorry, pardon his name, said that uh, he felt his whole body like almost come apart and then go back together, and there was less of him. And then the guy like kind of like nodded at him and then rang the gong again and like took his body apart again and put him back together, and then like there was less of him. And then he was like, he could feel himself like hanging on to pieces of stuff in his life he didn't want to let go of. And that was what the thing was trying to get him to do, was let go of everything. And the moment he rang the gong the last time and Ryan disappeared, the doors opened. And then that was when he came back. Whoa. Yeah. I was like... That's a trip. I wanted to try it. I still haven't, because the only guy I know that has it, or I don't know anybody that has it, but uh, (laughs) the only guy I know that has it is like, you have to do it at my house, because it's sacred to me. And uh, I don't want to, I'm not going to sell it. I'm not going to introduce greed to this process. This is like a spiritual thing. He goes, but I don't want to let it out into the world either. He's like, this needs to be a controlled environment. Dude, apparently we're like 90 something percent of the world supply is getting burned up right now. Yeah. Amazon rainforest. Yeah. You know what really pisses me off? Motherfuckers that share posts that are like, well, the Amazon rainforest is only burning a little bit more than it usually does. Like, okay. So it's still fucking on fire. Like people have been getting raped since the dawn of time. So let's just stop worrying about people getting raped. Like, no, it's still bad. You jackass. I know, dude. I, I like, I'm afraid that I, I think that, that we could be experiencing like a pole shift type event. Yeah, it's possible. I, I, but maybe, maybe accelerated by a ton of things or, or, or maybe we're just, it's like, we're observing, the effects of the cycle. But what if at one point in time, this is what I think, I think at one point in time, the Nile River Valley was like the Amazon is now. I would believe that. And I think that what what if we're seeing that transition? So speaks. the Amazon goes back, goes to being a desert and the Nile becomes the... Yeah. That'd be crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, ice caps are melting... Yeah, I, I you know who knows who knows what all is going to happen. Yeah, because um, I'm just observing it, trying to um, into observing like uh, I'm, I, I was just showing something today in my Arkansas history class on um, uh, the New Madrid earthquake. Crazy dude, the stuff they were talking about. Crazy. Yeah. Um, just like how uh, what it did to the boats, and then also you ever heard of the Santorini eruption? I've heard the name. I don't okay, know what so you know though. Crete in the Mediterranean, yeah. the island of Crete. There, Santorini is this Greek island where this volcanic eruption happened, and they. The, I've heard a lot of scholars say this. They think that that could be what caused the what is reported as the ten uh, ten plagues and the parting of the sea, so to speak. You ever seen rivers flow backwards? Mm-mm. Okay, so just like recently when the Arkansas River flooded, like the creeks and stuff up on the Mulberry were flowing backwards. Really? Yeah, right? Tsunamis. Volcanic eruptions in bodies of water cause tsunamis. Absolutely. That could um, drain a uh, reed bed. And that's the thing, too, is like how some of that's reported on... um, Around the Red Sea... um, there's all these canals and there are all of these lakes and reed beds that are not even um, filled up year round, right? So, like, I was just like going over all this evidence. Like, I'm uh, like going over the Hebrews and Civ 1 right now. So, like, I'm just like 
refreshing up on all the stuff. And I was just like, uh, watch this documentary about archaeological evidence of like where the, if the, if they were in, if if they were enslaved in Egypt, where they might've been and stuff like that, because it is fascinating that we have such an Egyptological record. And then if you just look at, uh, so like we didn't think the Assyrians existed until we found, uh, excavated the, the site of Nineveh. Okay. And we found this this Assyrian ruler named Asher Barnapal. This dude was a bad, I've heard that bad name. dude. Uh, he this the place called Asher Barnapal's Library, dude. That's where the Epic of Gilgamesh was found. Oh, yes, that's awesome. And a whole bunch of other stuff. But um, the Assyrians are who like they they captured Jerusalem, um, and a, they were just a crazy people. Actually, they did not capture Jerusalem. They captured the other ten tribes. Okay. Yes, sorry. Um, but they were a serious power in the region for a minute. Sounds like it. We didn't know anything about them until we found that library, though. That's crazy. Like, that's blown my mind repeatedly. Like, to know that, like, like we didn't know these people existed except for the biblical account of the Old Testament. Of, yeah. So, like, that's like the... Like, I was talking about this today, too, like, and it says this in my book, so it's like... The problem with, like, the the Bible is a source of history, like, or just, like, just the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, yeah. right, is that it's, uh, it's, it's their national history, and it's a sacred text yeah. that, like, I was kind of not even, like, I don't want to say debating with somebody, but, like, lightly talking with them about it, that the super Christian, they're like... Well, you just don't believe that this is, you know, that God inspired this. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you? Oh, man. Dude, that's so that uh, thing that you shared is like, man, you ever follow any Sam Harris stuff? Like, uh, he and, okay. So the guy behind the project of that thing you shared with the biblical contradictions is Sam Harris. Okay. Right? So he is, um, to my knowledge, he's an atheist, right? I think so. So, yeah, but, but uh, I don't, I don't really. I'm more agnostic, honestly. Like I'm just like, well, I, don't know. I don't know. It's finite, limited mind. Doctor Bush told me about it. I, I yeah, doesn't work like I, I need it to all the way. Yeah, but I'm trying. You know, but uh, he and Jordan Peterson, you ever follow any Jordan oh, Peterson? Yeah. They have a series of debates, dude, about like, I mean, just about modern Christianity and all sorts of stuff. Like, like moral relativism, man. Oh, that's like great. like relative kind of truth. Oh, yes. Like, I, I love, love like, when I go over Greek history, I like have this little philosophy uh, sidetrack where I go through the big three and um, just talk about. Uh, sophistry and rhetoric and uh, relative truth and objective truth. It's a lot of fun, man. It it messed me up in college when I first learned, like, really contemplated relative truth. Like, I just completely changed my outlook on a lot of things. Well, and, like, when they... So these guys, on one one of their debates, they just get into relative truth just like so what's so called moral relativism just in relation to morals and ethics not uh anything to do with politics or anything like that because that's like with the athenian like the what i cover is like almost a political history i talk about philosophy and sophistry and 
Plato and Aristotle's take on the Athenian process, and it's uh, it's fascinating, man. Yeah, I'm gonna have to come sit is. in on a class. This sounds great, dude. And you kind of are, man. Look at you. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I do, man. I really love. So I hope. Um, what's Thurman planning on doing, man? Any idea? Uh, I'm gonna turn this off. He's finishing up his uh, doctorate or master's thesis or whatever. Yeah, and uh, I think he's pretty much set to teach at Tech. Really? I like, so. is he just going to adjunct or what? I think he's adjuncting now, but I think once he's done, he's going to have a job. Really? Yeah. That. Yeah, nice. He came by work today, actually. He used to work at uh, where I worked. We were Zero Mountain, and we got bought by Marigold. And, uh, but he worked there until he got this job that he's doing now. And he came by to say hi today, and I was like, you're looking sharp, Thurman. He's like, yeah, this isn't even my... Uh, business attire like this is just how i dress i was like i know it is you look great that's funny <laughs> that's funny he does he's always like the the best yeah man he, he had the suit jacket on and the nice pants and they were all like ironed and everything i was like thurman i wish i was half as put together as you man yeah it's um man teaching uh teaching's rewarding i enjoy doing it okay. um it's uh it's interesting too, like man, there's certain things like grading that's no fun. Yeah, like uh, dealing with people's excuses, also no fun. Um, it's the people that do the less that complain the most, cause the most issues for you, and like will go out of their way to cause problems. And I'm just like, what is that about? Yeah, it's like it's not even that hard if you'll just sit down and do it. I know. I taught. I try and, uh, and too. Like I lay. Did you ever uh, taking college classes or anything? Yeah, I graduated. Yeah, oh, duh. Yeah, duh. We talked about Charlie Bush. Uh, did did they use whiteboard a lot when when you were going? Some. So I was like, I did. I put everything in there for him a lot of the times. I don't always give him my lecture notes, but like if it's like a really good refined copy, um, or even like a really good older copy that's like mostly what I'm going to cover. Because that way, it's like if they miss, I make my notes uh, like with headings and stuff so they're accessible. you got to meet accessibility requirements. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> PowerPoints, re- reviews, study guide, I just dump tons of content in there for them. And uh, I think it works out. Absolutely. Uh, they, like the, the students miss, they can follow along. So, uh, I, it's like not like I'm giving them everything, but some people abuse it and not come. Uh, it's just, but I've I will say I'm providing more resources this semester than ever, and I have better attendance than ever. Really? Which I did not think. So, like, for example, at Mark's history class, like they have, I had that class totally set up in Blackboard before the semester even started because um, I studied with a guy uh, that teaches at adjuncts at Tech, and he teaches. Uh, but also the guy that um, taught the Arkansas history class forever there, Dr. Black, he's also wrote the the book. Nice. Uh, I got I have a copy of my satchel here. That's awesome. You have a satchel. Uh, thanks, man. <laughs> I have a fanny pack too. I'm not gonna lie. Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this Dr. Black, he he. Um, I'm doing it essentially just the, like the way the book's laid out, but like the way he did his class. So like I had it all set up and everything with like all the due dates, assignments, like we're, and I'm, I, I'm actually getting them to do like in this class, we're doing more than any of my other classes, but like they, they're not like stressing, feeling overwhelmed or anything because like there's encyclopedia articles, short little documentaries, 
notes, PowerPoints. Like, like they go into a folder. They're like, oh, this is the chapter two folder. Like, I don't want to read chapter two. So they have if, if they don't want to read chapter two, bam, everything is right there, dude. You know what I'm pissed about is like no textbook people have audio books. Yeah, that is stupid. Dude, like, you want to talk to me about accessibility? Like, I need to listen to it. Absolutely. I need that. And yeah. I'm, I administer the stuff. You want me to administer the stuff better? So, like, me as an instructor, I'm like, yes, uh, I need this in an audio version. And I can't get any of my textbooks in an audio version. That's terrible. I did find one of the authors on one of my textbooks has a, a series of 45 lectures divided up in like 15 different videos they're like six hours long Damn. but it's the whole course it's the whole course um like from prehistory to 1715 to the enlightenment that's awesome so yeah and so, so like i what i do is I, I put those youtube links in there i'm like hey boom you listen to zero minutes through an hour and 34 minutes that is the first unit of material. It's divided into three lectures. If for any reason you miss class or you want to listen to this while you're commuting or you whatever, you're yeah. studying for the exam, listen to that. It follows along with the book. Here, here's what I really deserve, dude, is like people don't read. No, they hate it. Yes. I, I don't know why. Like, dude, I was like reading Masashi the other day. Really? And I, and I was like, oh. <gasps> Why haven't I read this? Oh my God. <laughs> like it was blowing my mind. I was just like, but here's the thing. It's like, I don't read, man. I listen. Like, that's why I don't read. Like, and then I was like, I haven't read any since, you know, <laughs> like, uh, it, like, that's so, just like, I'm self aware of that though. So I'm always seeking out the audiobook. My, my wife, she uses a uh, Kindle and yeah. uh, she makes Siri read the book to her. How's that? Is that good? It's, it, I mean, it's, it doesn't really uh, do sentence structure very well, so you kind of have to, like, as you're listening to it, you kind of have to actively pay attention to make sure you're comprehending what's going on because there's commas and stuff you don't notice because it reads it in the Siri monotone way. But as long as you're, like, semi-paying attention to it, it works great. We listened to an entire book driving to that uh, Carolina Rebellion Festival I was talking about on the way there and back. It's like a 13-, 14-hour drive or whatever. We listened to a whole book, just just some random book she found on there for free about like werewolves and vampires or whatever. And she was just like, let's just put this on. And she put it, we sat there in the car and listened to the whole thing, stayed awake the entire time. It YouTube has so many audio books, man. So like for that class, I threw the, uh, I wanted them to do an assignment based around True Grit. Nice. So I found the audio book and That's I was awesome. like, there's the audio book. You got to listen to it. Uh, I had to do it when I took this class and we're doing it. And the intro class at Tech does it and you guys are doing it. You got a little five-paragraph assignment. Here's what it needs to look like. Compare it to, to one of the movies or compare it to what the book talks about in that same time period. Just read that chapter and say, like, it was on here, it was off here, whatever. Like, um, Or compare both the movies to the book. So, I mean, why not? They're good yeah. movies. Yeah. I mean, dude, they are. Which they one are. do you like better, the John Wayne one? No, I think I like the new one better. I mean, honestly, the new one is really good. It is. Uh, I've never been a John Wayne fan. I never, I mean, really, like, I just, sorry I stereotyped you like that, bro. No, you're cool. Cause it's fine. I just automatically, like, I feel like I'm in the minority. That's why I was saying, I was like, oh, he likes the only one. Because yeah. that's like 99% of people are like, well, really, the new one shit, John Wayne. Yeah. No, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. John Wayne. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm a Clint Eastwood guy. I'm going to pick an old oh, Western man. guy. Yeah. Like, as a person, as an older guy now, he's kind of a crotchety old asshole that makes the same movie over and over again. But uh, you can't deny that the Spaghetti Westerns, the end, are some of the, some of the best movies ever made. Dude, the uh, the Man with No Name. Yeah. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is like one of the greatest movies ever made. It really is. It really is. Have you seen the new, um, this isn't Western, but um, have you seen the new Tarantino film? I haven't seen it yet. I haven't either. I've, guys at work have seen it, and they say it's great. I haven't seen it yet. Nice. Nice. I, I want to check it out. Yeah, Just, definitely. Uh, did you saw the one, uh, Hateful Eight? Yes. That was good. It was. was I wild. Didn't, I didn't like it that much the first time I watched it because it was so long and I was kind of pressed for time that day, so I was getting a little uh, antsy for it to end. And yeah. It drug, but the second time I watched it, like we had it at work, and uh, we were really dead that day, and so a bunch of people sat around and we watched it. That movie's incredible. It is, man. It's uh, Tarantino movies are like... They just they age well. They do. Like you know, one I need to go back and rewatch is Jackie Brown. Yeah, I've only seen Jackie Brown once. It's definitely I've, really, I've seen it. Like, I think I think I've seen it twice. Yeah, uh, I like caught it once on TV, and then I had the DVD. But I was uh, yeah. yeah. Who, who's got two and a half hours to watch a movie you've already seen? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It is, uh, you know, it is nice in my office. I'm constantly playing shit in the back. I got two screens, or like I'll just listen to a podcast on my phone or, or whatever. But it's nice having an office at the university. I bet it's that's kinda, great that you do have one. Yeah, that's got to be. Feeling, Dude, one of my legit. the <laughs> guy I mentioned earlier, Michael Booty. He's a window man. I don't have a window. A window. <laughs> I have window envy, man. Absolutely. Every time I go over and see him, I'm like, you got a window, man. <laughs> That's a beautiful tree, man. It, I don't have a tree. He's got like I forty like right out his right out <laughs> his window, but I'm like, I don't care, dude. You got that sunlight. Just the lighting of the room is so much better. Absolutely. So, but. Uh, that's one of the things I like about getting off work at this time of day is I go home and take a shower after work, and there's sunlight in the bathroom. Oh, enough. yeah. I don't have to turn the light on. You can just take a day-lit shower. It's nice. Um, what kind of shifts do you work? I work 5 a.m. to 1.30, 2 o'clock. That's, yeah, that's nice. That's about, I, it's about the time I get up. I don't have to be at the university until 7.30. That's when my office hours start. Okay. So I'm there 7.30 until uh, I got off at 1 today trickled back this way nice a little bit earlier than that but that's my last class over at 12.50 so that's cool yeah I used to hate getting up that early but then oh dude sleeping's painful man yeah once you get once you get our age and you get used to getting up that time of the day it's, it's nice yeah I, I don't even know how I ever slept yeah like dude here's another thing man I am like out by like 10 o'clock yep a lot of times, my I wife even... calls me an old man because I'm, I'm I could fall asleep at eight o'clock every night if it, if she'd let me. Yeah, I mean, I get home, I eat, and then it's like uh, I actually started taking melatonin in the last mm. uh, several months. You ever t- you ever do I that? I haven't had some of that. It, yeah. yeah, dude, it puts you right out. It does. Man. It's great. Oof. I've never really had an issue with that though. Like I could fall asleep. Like she does a lot of. She's more of a night person. And so she stays up till like 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night sometimes, even though she's got to be at work the next day and stuff. So we'll go to the bedroom, and she's like, I want to organize some stuff back here if you want to go back there. I'm like, sure. So we go back there. I'll lay down in the bed. She'll have the light on in there, and she'll be moving a bunch of stuff around, organizing stuff. It doesn't matter. I'm asleep. Dude, I've been catching some naps. Like if I don't like this time of day on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, if I don't have a podcast scheduled, I'm mm-hmm. catching a nap. Okay. And I, dude, I didn't nap for like a year and a half. So it's been huge. Naps are great. 
Yudge. Yes. <laughs> freaking Donald. I mean, imagine all the all the sayings and all of the th- all of the memes that are still like how we're going to remember him. Yeah. What's yet to come? Yeah. Man, like, what are your predictions on the election? Like, what do you think? Like, you think it's going to be Donald versus Bernie? Um, do you think that Bernie's going to win if that happens? Like, do you care? What's going on? I don't think Bernie would win. I think the the war, the country itself is riled up enough at this point that the hateful people are going to show up and the not-so-hateful people are going to pretend like they care and then they're not going to show up. And so, I, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if he won again. It wouldn't surprise me either. It would also, just like when he won the first time, it would just blow my mind yeah. again. Yeah, it would break my heart. It, it would just unbelievably piss me off. But, like, when he won the first time, a person in my life uh, shared a thing. It was like, this is what happens when moral America shows up to vote. It's, it's about time the good, the good guy won. And I'm like, don't get me wrong. I don't like Hillary Clinton either, all right? And I didn't vote for her because why the fuck would you? She's a loser person. But You're it, about to get suicided, bro. Okay? You better calm <laughs> down. I'm going to get <laughs> Oh, that's where we're going after this. <laughs> yeah. But, like, how do you fucking look at Donald Trump and think that is the moral choice? It don't matter what the other option is. Like, that's what I fucking hate about politics in general is that it is an either-or scenario with ends well, up I being think the like least I, worst. Why do we only have one president? I've never even heard that idea before. Like, we should have more than one. <laughs> I mean, dude. <laughs> I okay. Want, I want seven. You ever heard... You, okay, so when I get into uh, covering a certain part of uh, American history, actually in the Civil War, the, the, for the last time that idea came up was like uh, Compromise 1850. Yeah. And um, basically it was like, hey, we should have... a president of the north president of the south so the south can keep doing what they want that was one of the proposals Damn. that was brought forth right um and it was that was really as far as i know the first time that idea was introduced of a two president system and that's 1850 so you you're on down the road a ways before things really blow up and i but um at this time, uh, something's going on that you refer to as like sectionalism. So think about like that in the like in nowadays terms. So like then it was it was north and south, but it was more than that too. I mean, obviously, like California yeah. was still way different. Yes, you know. So Texas but, has always been its own thing. It's all, it, it, but also like the the just the settlement that's taken place since then to now, like. You've got the Midwest, you've got the Northeast, you've got the the uh, South, and then two Mid South, a little different. Like you could you could hash it up a lot of different ways, but you could divide it into a lot of like maybe five main sections. Yeah. So like this concept this in history referred to as sectionalism. And that is when like we started thinking about ourselves instead of uh, or in addition to. Um, just like, oh, yeah, like oh, we're part of the United States. Uh, Arkansas and Oklahoma are both a state, and we're both members of the United States together. Like, yeah. Like, think about like colonial America. They didn't, like, you'd be like somebody in, um, like, the Chesapeake. Like, you didn't think about people from New England 
is no, they're not on our team. They're their own thing. They have their own thing. We're just like yeah. we're all like a part of the British Empire, but like we're really our own thing. Yeah. So they're it's like, like the European Union. They're all their own countries. Yeah. Yes. But they're all yes. One thing. Yes. Uh, so it's it's fascinating to to see how everything played out from that to to eighteen fifty to now, and then just to look and two to. There is like here's another thing. I'm having this guy Billy Reader on tomorrow to do the podcast, and he was just on sabbatical. He's a journalism professor, and he was at the border for six months, like Holy living shit. on his sailboat, fucking cartels, all sorts of crazy shit. So he's coming. Um, he's coming on the podcast to talk about all that. Hell yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I'm in pumped, dude. I've been wanting to podcast with him for a minute. So, I bet. Um, but uh, anyway, but that it, you know. Why it made me think about him is like you ever driven from like Oklahoma to California? Yeah, we the wife and I drove from here to Oregon, and then wow, we went like through Colorado like, that way, and then drove. People want to act like we don't have any place to settle in this country. Have yeah. never taken that drive, apparently. Absolutely, man. Like we have, so, so like it is my thought that we're going to do something like try and start settling immigrants in unsettled areas of the United States for different reasons, probably to promote the sectionalism idea. Like that's just like my, my view of the future, like whether it happens in my lifetime or what it's just, spe- yeah. it's the speculation theory. But, um, like what got us on that is like the office that we're talking about. I think we're so disappointed in because it's not, there's no way that's a one person job. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Like, if it was 13 colonies and we had one person, like, eh, okay, maybe. Yeah. Like, you want this one person to run 13 states. Like, our state governor doesn't even do that well of a job. You yeah. know what I'm saying? With our population. It, so it's like, but we expect one person to be the figurehead for everything. Yeah. That's a that's just a that's in name only for me anymore, you know. It's like you, we're past being a, that. That's how are you going to handle that? That's, you're blowing my mind at the moment. I've never even crossed my mind to think that we should do something different than that, and it fucking makes unbelievable amount of sense. I don't know. It, maybe I, I hope I don't get called like a racist or a Zionist or something. I don't even know if these ideas are good, but it's that's something. just I've just been thinking about it, and then like just like thinking about early American history, and then too, dude, like looking at like the Roman Republic and like the Athenian democracy, and like, well, that shit failed horribly. It's former uh, Democratic Republic, <laughs> like, like holy shit, <laughs> like let's take the two things that failed that we like the most and do it that way, absolutely. <laughs> Like Plato, he was like, they printed the Bible and Plato first. Let's just go with both. <laughs> like, man, I showed somebody this like little kid video of the allegory of the cave the other day. They never heard of it. And yeah. I was like, you don't know what I'm talking about. And so I was like, I, I don't want to explain it to you. Like, I need like a marker board or something. Like, so I was like, I found this video. It's like breaks it down. It's like veggie tail style. That's awesome. And it was, <laughs> and, and it blew his mind. And I was like, all right, I got other things like that too. Okay, well, it's a little bit of time, guys. Yep, exactly. You need a little piece of it every once in a while, <sighs> dude. I will say this: so, like, I ended up taking Doctor Bush for twenty-seven hours. I need. I will really want to have him on the podcast. Someday. That'd be great. I run into him periodically at like Walmart. <sighs> he's still like the nicest guy on he earth. He is, man. 
That guy was such a major influence on me. Absolutely. I took every class of his that I possibly uh, me could. Me too. Me too. Um, the uh, I'm trying to think. The only class I think I didn't take him for was contemporary philosophy. Yeah, I don't think I had that one either. And I, I had um, I took him for a, a special problems and ethics. Yep. Uh, and I took him for ethics, uh, logic. Logic was awesome. So I didn't get him for logic. I got uh, uh, the other Mitchell. guy, Mitchell. Yes, Mitchell. Yeah, he's a super nice guy. He is a super yeah. nice guy. Like I never wanted to take him for class though. Yes, he's so. he's prickly in class. Yeah, I've said him really bad one time, but I'm, I did not make the mistake of stopping. <laughs> like me and we came to get a test back, and uh, it was me and like three other people that were friends, and we were in his class. And uh, we go there, we did a test class before, and we came to get our test grades back, and then we planned on leaving because we had, like, stuff to do that day. So we get there, and I know it's super disrespectful now. I'm an adult and can totally accept that I was an asshole for this. But uh, I've got some situations like that. Yeah. And uh, I just, you know, we get back, and he's like, sorry, I won't be able to give you your test back today. And I immediately nudged the guy next to me, and I was like, we're out. And I stood up, and I turned around and walked off. And at this time, I had a massive fucking afro. Dude, I remember those days. <laughs> yes. And so I get up to walk out of class. I make a huge scene, not even meaning to. And he's like, where are you guys going? Sir. Sir. And he's like following us down the hall, the alley or the aisle of the class. And I just, nope, I'm not stopping. I just hit the door and took off. And my buddy stopped and got like a five-minute ass chewing in front of the entire class because he got up and disrupted class because he didn't want it or he wasn't going to get his test back. So he left. And I still make fun of him for that. It's like, you shouldn't have stopped. Like, I told you we were leaving. Like, what is wrong with you? But I'm a douchebag for doing that. Like, I should not have done that. There's so many things. Staged a walkout protest, yeah. man. If I could go back in time, I would kick the shit out of myself so bad. Man, everybody's got stuff like that. You know? And, like, it, what's funny is to think that, like, we're adults and we won't still do that yeah, shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, because, man, I've made some mistakes as an adult, and you just look at it, and you're just like, why the fuck did I do mm -hmm. that? Like, I have the same problem with things like flat earthers. I think... They believe the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard in my entire life. What giant fucking stupid thing do I believe that I don't know is like the dumbest oh, thing on yeah. earth? Oh, yeah. You know, like, having empathy about stuff like that. I do. Um, it's 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 funny. Here's how it, this I do. When I teach scientific revolution, I always get one of the students at this. Yeah? I, like, I'll, I'll like, make, I was, like, all right, you know, so we're going to start talking about, um, you know, when we really started to view the world as, you know, being a globe and uh, round instead of flat, and, you know, as a scientific revolution, we've been talking about it. And so I'm like, so, you know, imagine all these flat earthers back then, and like somebody always makes a joke. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, so what's your number one proof for heliocentrism? And then they're like, what's that? Yeah, what? And I'm like, exactly. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just is like, oh, we're also talking about deductive reasoning and stuff like that, too. But it's just uh, when I teach Civ 2, I get to go. I, I get to do that term. I teach. I, I taught in the summer. Uh, and I usually teach in the regular semester, but I'm not this year. But uh, it's it's a fun little topic to go over. Scientific Revolution, Bacon, and Newton. and Yeah. Um. Wild time, natural philosophy. So like Descartes, yeah. Like so, so many people we learned about in philosophy, boom, right yep. there in that time. So uh, very interesting. Indeed, I miss taking classes and just learning things for the purpose of a just sim a simpler them. time. Indeed. Yeah. 
That man, that's what I love about teaching is because you like or still you get to do that you're engaged in that way like when i first started working uh at moralton i was like i felt like i was learning which i was and i am yeah but um like i felt i kept saying to Corey, i was like i feel like i'm getting smarter <laughs> right? I'm yeah. smarter Do I come across I was like, you as smarter <laughs> yeah i mean i was i was like i feel way smarter you know i'm just thinking these thoughts all the time and more thoughts and thoughts i never thought before exactly you know and i'm contemplating the motherfucking ifs <laughs> yeah it's it just but it was my engagement like because man after i got my master's i was just doing the gym getting it to the point it's at right now and like not really doing anything with my degree other than just, like, walking around with, like, the person that I came out being, you know? Yeah. And then, like, once I started teaching, like, dude, anytime you teach something, you just look, you get, you take a whole other angle on it. Like, I feel the same way with martial arts, you know? It's just, like, the way I look at it versus the way somebody's, like, a student or a competitor, I think it's different. It's just, just like... I'm sure. I'm, like, so I'm thinking about, like, from the student point of view of, like, I got to teach all of these people. Like the white belt and the highest ranked person in the class, right? And then it's, um, you know, what do you what do you teach to satisfy everybody? And yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty complex way to like view the art. Yeah. Other than just like, oh yeah, I'm here for class. Oh, we're doing guard today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can do an arm bar, <laughs> and I'm like. Bro, arm bars. Uh, <laughs> from what position? <laughs> like, I know so many. You know, like it just it becomes that, and it's uh, you know. So you just gotta you gotta accept it for like the it's it's infinite, like everything else, man. It's like the the combinations of the the patterns and the things that like just I know for jujitsu are infinite. I'm sure they are. Like, like it's did, wild. Do they did they step this way this time? And if so, what do you do instead? Was it? But yeah. And in what is what gets you? What gets you going on? It's like when I took logic, I just kept going to Bush, and I'm like, "This is like what I do." <laughs> like I was like, "We can apply this to boxing here," and he was just like, "Yeah, you can," because uh, like boxing combinations, like rules of inference for jujitsu, like it, it just like it changed the way I think and pattern martial arts when I took logic. Because, like, I'm just like, oh, everything is a list now. I must delineate this topic here, truth tables. Like, I just, like, all the concepts from, like, everything other than the fallacies, I applied to martial arts. And it did. It, it changed the way I, like, processed it, organized it, organized it in my head, organized it digitally. That's amazing. It's wild, yeah. I'm looking forward to coming and learning. Dude, uh, yeah. Well, man, whenever you're ready. You know, cause I think I might have told you this, but we do, uh, we could do some an intro lesson for you. Mm-hmm. So, like, a lot of people are just like, what, what is the jiu-jitsu, dude? Yeah. I don't even know what to expect. I, I remember trying to describe it to people when I started doing it, um, and I was just like, because in my mind, we at that time we weren't doing, we didn't, we didn't have a gi program. We weren't even doing. I just did no gi and MMA. So yeah. I didn't even know it is jujitsu at that time. I was just like, oh, you know, we like, you know, it's like, kind of like uh, wrestling, but but not okay yeah. because we don't. It's not because we do these things called submissions, like chokes and arm bars. Yeah, right. And we also punch each other on the ground. <laughs> 
Right. It's MMA. Exactly. And, and, exactly. and people are like, what's MMA, though? And I'm like, well, you know, this class I go to, it's called No Gi. Uh, and, 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 and they're like, what's a gi? And I'm like, I don't know. But, it, but it's just, it was... It was funny, man. It was a funny time back then because uh, I didn't even know what I was doing. Yeah. But I was loving it, and I just was like, oh, I don't ever want to stop. I remember running into you at, like, Walmart when you were first, like, getting into it. And Yeah, that's where I was working. Yeah. Yeah. We were working at the same time, I bet. Yeah. With the, with the Afro. Yep. And you were, like, a completely different person then than you are now. Like, just even, like, the look on your face now is, like, just different. Like, yeah. I look at it you did. and I'm like. my life, dude. Yeah. For sure. For That's, sure. It's incredible. I, I want to learn. I really do. It looks like it'd be fun. You know, what's what's wild, I'll tell you, let me tell you about this dude I've been hanging out with. <clears throat> I'll show you a video of him. So what's wild is, um, like, this guy started coming into the gym, and he's just, like, little um, Asian guy. So, like, what kind of sucks about, like, being, like, who, like, me or whatever is, like, like, I learn stuff from people all the time. Like, especially, like, I get six brown belts that, in jiu-jitsu that train at the that are at the gym. Core's one of them. And it's like, they show me stuff all the time, right? But that nobody is there teaching me a class that I go to on a regular basis. But this guy started coming in. And he is a, um, a literal martial arts master. That's my wing chun dummy, by the way. But he just came in off the street. He's like a six-degree bite belt in judo. And he knows he's a high-ranking Aikido. He knows this art, Wing Chun, Kung Fu. So, but he's from the Philippines. He's a doctor. He's a doctor. So he's like super smart. Yeah. 72 <laughs> years old. Showed up and was like, oh, I'm here to teach you everything I know. Like, totally nice about it. You see he's wearing a white belt right there. Because mm-hmm. he comes to and does my jiu-jitsu class and wears a white belt. That guy is in the same class you would come to. That's crazy. Yes. That would be intimidating as fuck but, to teach that guy something. Uh, oh, I know. I feel not worthy, dude. Yeah. I'm not worthy. But I, I don't know. I feel like you are, though. I am. But, <laughs> but like, when I'm like... When I'm like, because like we stay there till like almost nine o'clock every night. We're in class over like seven forty-five, and we're just like swinging swords and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. That's awesome. And he's he's been te- he's taught me so much. But um, I would just be like standing there learning all this stuff, and I'm like wearing my red gi with my black belt, and I'm like, <laughs> and he's just like white traditional martial arts uniform with a white belt, and and I'm just like. And he's just like, oh, this is the same as your jiu-jitsu throw when you did this. Remember this one class? Your favorite's here. Like, remember that class you talked about? Like, this dude's been Mr. Miyagi-ing me since day one. Like, like uh, I know, like, he was, he walked in, you know, the day he's going to do class, and I noticed him doing some forms on the Wing Chun dummy. It's like, I walk up, and I'm like, what do you know about that? Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I was like, I know, I, I knew, so, like, I know some of the movements, and the movements you can do with a partner. But, like, I never was able to, like, translate any of the movements onto the dummy. Of, like, I never learned any of the katas. Because, like I was saying to you earlier, dude, I'm a listen guy. Like, I need to, I do need to go to that class <laughs> to get the maximum. So, like, my approach is, like, travel all over, do privates, bring people in for seminars. 
I see that sometimes. Tons of uh, we in. we always bring people in. That's man. awesome. This, but it's like the continuing education. So like it, that's and I'm always engaged in that. But man, this guy's just been like making me a student. But he just like showed up and just like you know I don't have like anybody to really tell all this stuff to. I'm just you know working at the hospital and you seem interested, so I'm gonna tell you whatever you want to know. That's awesome. And I'm like, all right, man, thanks. I'll, I'll learn everything you've got. Yeah, and it, man, it, it is. It's uh, but like he would show me things on day one, and then he would like, much much later, he'd be like, you remember this? And I'd be like, yeah. And he's like, that's right here. Like, uh, like he just show that form he's doing on the dummies. Like, it's thirteen sections. It's thirteen different sections. Really? Um, let's see what chorus is. Just a reminder. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And planning. All right, closing up. Okay. Yep. All right, we're good. I don't know <sighs> Cora other than like the couple of times I've met her, but she's impressive as fuck too. Uh, she's she's a. My wife is like blown away by her. Like strict every time. disciplinarian, sir. Yes. Okay. Like every time, we're like we'll see her in like Walmart, and I'm like, that's Brian's wife. And my wife looks at her, and she's just like. She is such a badass, and <laughs> I'm like, she is. Like, she's, she's probably like, if we pissed her off, she kicked shit out of. She's both more of us. locally. Everybody is like knows her. It kind of stresses her out a little bit, <laughs> but like everywhere we go, it's like so, uh, somebody is uh, knows knows us, you know. And it's like we we kind of made it that way on purpose, but yeah, that's um, how you get business and stuff. Too. It, it is, man. It, it, if you're in any kind of business, like the it, period, like where you you engage with the public, it's just the sort of the byproduct yeah but um people are always uh, not just like not like seeing her out and wonder like talking to her but always wanting her to come do stuff like will you come talk at this will you come give a demo here like we want you to be a part of this what do you think about this issue like do you guys support the casino like <laughs> yeah. <it> just <laughs> oh man it's it's one thing after another i bet so that would get old yeah well, too, it is. It, it's and it's in every possible nook and cranny of society that you can imagine. Literally, like politics, like people, like when all of this stuff was going on with us, uh, like trying to build on our own yes, property I was that how we that was own. Going. Now you said you're moving. I'm curious. Yes. It didn't go well. I guess. Well, you know, it depends on if you look at right now versus the next thirty years. Yeah. And uh, you know, Cora and I being here forever with our children. Yeah. So it's like. Uh, that's it's like we're the city of Russellville. I mean, Absolutely. You, even though you don't get to vote, you're the city of Russellville too, right? And you know maybe we can do something about that someday. I That'd don't know. be awesome. But you yeah, remember Dr. Bush saying this, like, and I have no desire still to this point and to get involved in any way. I will. I will do things at some point. In, in, uh, to be of service to uh, more than what I'm doing and running a nonprofit and having a gym that teaches a lot like life skills and values and things to kids that they need that they don't get at home. Absolutely. But <laughs> it's, uh, you ever remember Bush being like that talk about the philosophers, Kings and Queens? Mm-mm. Well, like, okay. So Aristotle trained Alexander the great. Yeah. Right. So like it was a move in Greek society for, tyrants to have their sons trained by philosophers and and philosophers wanted to train the tyrant's sons to end the cycle of tyranny yeah right so it's like the basic idea that like you and i think the way we think probably because we got some sort of a liberal fine arts education yep 
you know, like like it or not, that I mean, it comes down to that in a lot of ways for me. Like I'm like, oh man. And then I, not saying the people that don't have, but I just like look at people from like my parents' generation, and I'm like racist, xenophobic, yep. things that I would not even be self aware of if I wasn't. Yeah. If I didn't receive that education, you that thing I shared on Facebook. It was like. Back in my day, we didn't get so offended. Really, yes. Wonka's like, back in my day, we didn't get pissed about white people <laughs> drinking from the fountain. Exactly. Or pour acid in the pool, man, or exactly. whatever the hell it was. Yeah. I, I just, man, I have, I have major guilt about, like, I think all that's catching up. I think that's what we're experiencing. Like, it's like, uh, sometimes I think about that when I'm lecturing over the facts of, and the realities of the Vietnam War and the Cold War. It's like, oh, yes, this is the, this is the cost of our system and the distrust. It's like one time somebody was talking shit about somebody saying something was a false flag, and I'm like, well, there have only been seven verifiable false flags since World War II. Yeah. Like, you want me to trust the, the government? Yeah. Like, I, I I want to. I want to too. But I know too too many facts about things like this to say immediately. Anyone who would think this is paranoid, mm-hmm. well, and it's like I don't immediately start saying like every shooting, every this is a false flag. I can't even remember what this is in a reference to, um, but it was something somebody was calling a false flag in the last couple of years. It might have actually been the Vegas shooting. Might have been, which I is still super freaking weird. It man. is. Um, uh, you know, or the, the Epstein suicide. Yeah, dude. I mean, is he, you think he's still alive is the, is the question. Probably. It could be. It could be. Was he, was he an intelligence? Did, was he being black belt by an intelligence agency? I think those are the two most logical theories I'm like, or like, um, it's like, where can we can we have some video of him being put in coming out? Can we have his body on display? Like, like what's the proof that that guy's dead? There isn't any. What's the proof that he was ever in jail? Yeah. What, I mean, what's the proof that the CIA didn't just put him in witness protection? Yeah. Because he turned on whoever. Also, and I, I verified a very minor amount of this. Apparently, Donald Trump is who got him in trouble initially back in '05. Really. Yes. It it was oh. 05 where they had some sort of real estate dealings where Epstein was trying to buy something near Trump. I just like I heard somebody else talking about it, just listening to different podcasts and things on Epstein. I looked into it and I was like, okay, that's verifiable. And then like uh what what they were going into is saying that Epstein had been recruiting at some resort that Trump ran, retru- recruiting like underage girls. And Trump found out about it, and then was like, "They like Trump." Uh, Epstein was trying to buy something next to Trump or something, and um, Trump ended up buying it. So Epstein wouldn't, and they had words or something. And Trump was like, "I know what you've been doing in my resort, motherfucker." Boom. I, I, this is like that was the backstory that I didn't verify that yeah. they had like this these arguments over the real estate, like the real estate thing. I did see that like some evidence for that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I, I need to look more into that story because I just got onto that yesterday morning. That can be fact number two of things I like about Donald Trump. Yeah, uh, yeah. If he, if he, had, I mean, you'd, I will say this: like, there is some sort of active campaign under his administration against things like uh, pedophilia, and in, 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 at least in our country, 
He might not be doing anything about what's going on at the border. Here's something that somebody was saying, uh, Dan Crenshaw, do you know who that is? Yeah. He was on Joe Rogan about how they're, uh, like they will recycle kids uh, at the border. Like um, basically um, they started, the reason some of the, law, some of the laws to do with the asylum are the way they are is because what they were doing is they would use a kid to get across, then they would send the kid back across. Because it's not hard to go back across at all. Yeah. And then the kid would come back in with a different group. This is sort of shit we're going to talk about on the podcast tomorrow. Yeah. So you might check that out. I um, definitely will. Uh, and I don't know how much this guy's going to say. He's writing a book about it. He's got a he's got a blog about it where he writes all sorts of stuff that he just saw while he was going down to the the border and looking at. Uh, People seeking asylum and stuff like that. Like so you just took just, time off to go down there and see what was going on? Dude, that's what's cool. If you're a PhD and you're a tenure track or tenured professor, is you get sabbatical every so often and you like make that, like that's what he's supposed to go do. That's great. Like that's part of the job type of thing. That won't be a part of my job, unfortunately. They're <laughs> like, you just teach the, teach the intro courses. Yeah. And, you know, don't learn new stuff. <laughs> But no, it's their conferences and stuff to go to, and you're encouraged to do that. But like, there's no uh, like at the community college level, you don't get a lot of time to yeah. uh, go study or whatever. So well, that's too bad. Yeah. Do they I mean, get paid when they're on sabbatical? Yes. That's amazing. Yes, I mean, as far as I know, I'm going to ask him all these questions tomorrow too. But I mean, everybody I know's gone on sabbatical. They have families. I know that you know half a dozen professors that have taken it before. And it's something that you line out over a period of time, and it might have to. A lot of times, I know that um, certain professors will get grants, you know, to sort of fund a project they might be doing on their sabbatical. And I think that has to do with the university too. You got to get them to fund, like, hey, on my sabbatical, I'm going down to the border, and yeah. here's what I'm going to do. I'm it's going to be a part of a larger project I'm working on when I get back. So on. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So. But I'm going to ask him tons of questions about sabbatical, uh, like well, how it all works and what he did while he was on it. And This yeah. guy, uh, he's into sailing, um, and uh, he owns a boat that he keeps in Texas. And He's just a really cool dude, and he lives in a cabin in, like, Perryville. That's awesome. So he's, st- <laughs> he's starting jiu-jitsu. So we're talking about this thing. He's doing an intro lesson with me tomorrow. Nice. So um, it's, like, he did a class. And it's just like a basic like orientation. You do an intro lesson before you do class. That way when you come to class, you're like, yeah, I know how to put this thing on, like this uniform or, you know, you get that stuff lined out ahead of time. So like I'll, I do like, you know, Dylan Sparks, right? Yeah, I know Dylan. He did, did lessons with Dylan before he started coming. He comes to noon class mostly. Does he? Yeah. Um, Colby, dude, he was super anxious about coming to class. I had, you know, he's like my best friend, so I did, I did privates with him for a minute before. Now he's like, now he'll, I'll be out of town occasionally, and he'll go to class on him being town. I'm like, yeah, you junkie. (laughs) (laughs) So it is, it does become addicting, man. You you start doing it for your own reasons, you know, and it's like, because your own reasons are like, man, I'm trying to get healthier, man, like, I want to be feeling safe at the festival. I'm just like always like feeling confident, you know, yeah. about like no I'm not ever seeking violence or, or anything no, like that, not. but I'm always just feeling like I could address most situations. I'm like, if there's not a gun involved, and hopefully there's not a knife. 
but I've trained knife defenses for several years, and I st- I train them all the time. Just on because that's a part of our culture, dude. Most people carry a knife. Yeah. Um, most pe- I, I know I know a bunch of people that carry multiple knives yep. just themselves, and yep. I'm just like, okay. My boss at work has got at least three on him at all times. My, one of my martial arts coaches. He's got, I don't know how many he's got. I don't know how many weapons are in his truck, on his person, but it's a lot. Yeah. Like, one time he was teaching a seminar on just knife work. Like, that was, like, the three-hour portion we were doing. Was like, and he just, like, walks out and just starts, like, pulling knives out of everywhere. And it's like, he's wearing, like, jeans and a hoodie. You know, he's like, this one's around my neck. I can take this on the, like, uh, this one is not metal. It's composite plastic, you know. Like, it won't get set off by any detectors. Boom, this one here I keep. Uh, it opens when I pull it out of my pocket. This one's for stabbing. This one's for cutting. Like, this one I keep in my boots. I was like, damn, dude. Yeah. So Whoa. now you know why he trained for knife d- defense. Like, yeah, I mean, dude, just going through s- stuff like that, and it's like it's a no-nonsense thing. I feel like uh, so many people who study knife defense and or train knife work, it's like uh, outside of that, I'm training throwing, I'm training handling, I'm training opening and closing, drawing, and then it's like defense all the time. Ta- like I don't have one, I'm taking yours away. I don't have one, I'm taking yours away. And then having all these different knives, like, all right, we're going to start with the rubber one. Now we're training with the wooden one. Now we do the metal one. And we got shock knives. What's a shock knife? It shocks the shit out of you. That's great. Yeah. So, like, the last camp, uh, up, one dude. of the camps, I went same camp, not the same year, but that I went to, um, they had some shock knives, and they would bite you. I didn't get shocked, though. But basically, like, you would just run at me with the shock knife and try and, try and stat. Like, we would, like, limit the line of attack. Like, hey, you're going to attack them here. Or, hey, you're going to attack him here. Okay. Right? So it's just because, like, we had worked on those lines of attack or whatever. And that's kind of what you, like, you approach is, like, people are, or most times people are going to come like that. Like, prison shankings, mm-hmm. like, an upward stab. Yeah. Right? Then you got the Michael Myers grip. Dude, yep. Charlie Bush, Green Beret knife fighting instructor, bro. No way. No shit. No shit. That's great. He Okay, so here's the only way I know it. I heard he was Green Beret, and then I asked somebody, and they told me, like, Jeff Woods or somebody. Um, and one time in class, he was like, like, I had a marker, you know, and he was just like, you know, people hold the knife like like this, but that's not actually how you're supposed to hold it. You're supposed to hold it like this. I know this because I was a knife fighting instructor for the Green Berets. And I was just like, <gasps> Yeah. He's like the most laid back, like goofy dude in the world. Yeah, and would just take somebody apart if he needed to. Man, I really, um, I really do like that guy. I got yeah. so much appreciation for him. Did you Absolutely. ever have Krieger? Oh, I loved Krieger. That was my favorite teacher at Tech. Made my love for Charlie Bush rest in peace here. But I took every the Me man too, was man. the best teacher. I took him. The first class I had him for was uh, the French Revolution and Me Napoleon. Too. Oh, oh my God! Did that I, like Napoleon is now my favorite historical figure of all time. Dude, the Rosetta class. Stone. Yes, man, I took him for ancient Egypt too. Oh, I didn't oh get that it one. was so good, dude. I took him for Civ. Um, I, I did a, a special uh, problems with him where I talked about the Israelites in Egypt. Really? Yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah, I love the way he just talked like he was there. 
Like he shared the story I, of the. Of I the do dialogue. that when I go over uh, like Epic of Gilgamesh, and then I was doing something else, and I was getting like super narrative form, not on my notes, and they're just like, "Like, how do you know all this?" Yeah, and I was like, "What do you mean?" I was like, just telling the story. They're like, "This is everything. Is this all of this is in here?" I'm like, "Yes." Yes. Like, <laughs> and then it's like back to Gilgamesh. That's right. But. um Krieger was, man, he was something else. He was. Uh, and he shook like all the time, but then he would grab a freaking piece of chalk and have the most beautiful handwriting in the universe. His cursive was on point. It dude. was. It yeah. blew me away. Like he he didn't bring anything to class other than like a book if he needed to show you a portrait of King Louis. Do you know what? I have a lot of those books. Do you? In my office at the, at the uh, maybe one of these days, uh, if you come back on the podcast, because uh, I could podcast at, the, at my office. That'd be cool. But I've got. I probably have fifty Krieger books, man. I, I've laid. They let me clean out his office when he retired. Really? And they told me like, whatever's in there that you want, you can have. I took all his old tests, took all of his old homework assignments. They're all in a drawer in my office. That's awesome. So, he, you know, he passed away last year. No, I didn't know yeah, that, dude. I, it was it was rough. That sucks. He's like, man, he uh, he passed away like ten days after his wife passed away. Mm. He was not unhealthy or whatever. But that's like what you're saying, with like your friend, like with his experience of like giving up, like that's real. Yeah, it absolutely like, is. Like I think that um, very much so. Maybe we have to consciously choose to die at some point in time. Yeah, at least under some circumstances, yeah. Like, I mean, think about uh, people that uh, are fighting, you know, whatever disease they have, or fighting this, or fighting that. At a certain point, you lose the fight. You give, you you know, or maybe you don't dis- decide to give up, and maybe it's not a conscious decision, but it, maybe it is something that we don't even understand that's on a spectrum of what I'm kind of talking about and what your buddy was talking about. Yeah. So, um, but that's... Uh, Man, I've been getting super into this, like, consciousness. Like, what does it all mean, Basil? Exactly. What does it all mean, man? I don't know. I had a philosophy professor on here, uh, the guy from Moralton. Uh, He's retired now, but he sees adjuncts for him. Mm -hmm. And we talked a little bit about it, but he's just like, I mean, it's just, nobody has it figured out. Yeah. People got some great ideas, though. But uh, that's like I've shared something a while back on uh, it's like a Gary Vaynerchuk thing. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. I've heard but the name, I think. He, he is just like, you adults that are telling people, that, like uh, telling like teenagers and young adults that like they need to do this because, you know, um, that's, you know, they need to figure things out. That's what that's what's going to figure it out for them. If they go here and get this piece of paper and do this and get these bills, that that's figuring it out. And he's like, ain't nobody has anything figured out. I've never met anybody that has it figured out. And I'm like a billionaire. Like, <coughs> they're fucking lying to you. They don't have their shit figured out. They're like 55. They still don't know what's going on, just like me. And it's just like, yeah, man, people like, like, think about, like, I think parents just do that. I think it's a parenting thing, but it's like... It's a self-validation thing, too. <clears throat> yeah, like, if you... Yeah, he's, like, he's saying, like, it makes the parents feel better if the kids have their shit together so they can tell their friends about it or whatever, <laughs> whatever, or just feel pride. But yeah. it's like, there is no, like, there is no figuring it out. That's no. why people have existential crisis. That's why people kill themselves. It's why people get depressed. It's why people have self-loathing, you know? 
But I've never met. I've met liars and people who are, don't have it figured out. Yeah. So. Absolutely. You know. I just wing it. I just try to have a good time. Yes. Like, t- uh, this is a new concept that I, I was exposed to recently, and I, I sprang into one of my students today. <coughs> so I started a class. I'm like, hey, how you guys doing? And, like, somebody's, like, sometimes negative. Sometimes no one's negative. Sometimes a lot of people reply. And somebody never replies. And I'm just like, I'm just ready for this week to be over. And I was like, dude, time's all we have, man. And one day it's going to be over. And you'll never be able to get it back. And you're wishing it away right now. Yep. And everybody was like, <laughs> I was like, all right, we're going to start the revolution today. <laughs> it's like, and, and they're just like, what is this dude doing? But uh, it, it is, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, if you think about ter- things in terms of getting through things, oh, I'm just going to get through till Christmas. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to get through this year, this 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 day, this month, this week. Yep. This is all you It's have. defeatist. Yeah. Uh, it, but uh that just like i i was exposed to that idea and i was like oh man that that was a that was a a mind blower right i was like okay now we can be self-aware of that and act accordingly yeah if if, whenever possible so yeah i completely agree try to make every situation something you're you're in you know be in it yeah but yeah, yeah, be being present, being in the moment. But and man, it, what's crazy is how difficult that shit is. Like it's like people pay lip service to it all the time, but it's like it's it's it nowadays or maybe it's just hard to unplug or whatever. You know, like you go somewhere, you see somebody, you know, you have to go places pretty much. Yeah, because of how we set things up. Like in the places I go, I don't know how to get there. I'm gonna use my fucking phone. Yep. Like, like, do you know how to get to Asheville, North Carolina? No. Me either, man. I have a map in my car, but can I read it? I don't know how to read it, man. <laughs> like, like, dude, that stresses me out. Like, remember when we had, like, like the printing off the map quest? That was stressful. But <coughs> imagine if this just collapsed. Yeah. Yeah, like, what do fucked. you do? Like, I can't grow a garden. No. I don't know how to grow a garden. We're growing one right now at home, but it's tiny. Like, we've gotten, like, four tomatoes out of it. And like, I think I saw your, your plants. Like, five cucumbers, you know. Yeah. That's, that, it's just, like, I think about it, so it's kind of stressful because, like, that's that's not, like, like uh, when we're talking about the biggest leaps forward ever made, we're like, yeah, we figured out how to grow plants, man. Mm-hmm. Like, once we figure out how to grow plants, we really... It was a big leap. Yeah. And I'm so, now like, I don't know anybody that knows how to grow plants, man. Yeah. <laughs> I actually bought a book because I'm half afraid that, it, you know, the, the singularity where they say that computers will surpass human intelligence and then what do you do beyond that? And, you know, do humans, do humans integrate with technology and become some cyborg thing that we, you know, what does the world turn into then? Do the computers kill everybody? Like, that's going to happen. Like, within, like, by 2050, computers are going to be as smart okay, or so smarter than we are. Think about think about this. Like, Joe Rogan is who I got this idea from. They were talking about it on a podcast. But, like, I've heard, I've heard that theory. Like, but, like, I never thought about what it looked like. Yeah. Right? So, like, imagine this. Like, for all time, like, okay, so, like, look at a beehive. It gets, it gets built the same way every time. 
right? Essentially, like it, it like, like they're gonna do their thing the same, but like humans are not that way. Yeah, and like, what if this is the way that the gods or God or whatever is gonna going to do whatever aliens whatever connect is they sent the information to build the infrastructure for the way to communicate and the way to communicate is what you just described yeah. right so it's like like what if we are the uh the bees building the hive for whatever is the higher intelligence yeah like and like i was like what yeah i mean what does it look like? Like, why are we making this stuff? Where did it, you know, like, like that's, it's fascinating. Like, technology in general and the fact that, like, all the, like I said, as somebody was like, if I could just teleport, and I was, I was like, yeah, there's like that and only one more thing from the original Star Trek series that we haven't actually invented. Yeah. That we know about. And if we did invent teleportation, I guarantee you we're probably never going to know about that one. And if we do, it'll be in 30 years. Yep. You know, like... I, mean, I think teleportation will just be 3D printing. Like, you'll have to get past the uh, the Christian idea that your body is this most sacred thing in the universe and that you will uh, you have to be attached to this one thing forever and that's it. And then you fucking step on a teleporter... Downloading consciousness. It fucking liquidates you and it 3D prints a version of you in Paris, France and it is the exact same thing. That's, Ooh, tele- that's, wild. that's teleportation. Dude, I have a book on teleportation. I don't know what Do any of it means. Yeah, I have a book called... Uh, <clears throat> it's um, it's a do- by Dr. Ray... I don't know how to pronounce his last name, so I'm going to butcher this, but Dr. Ray Kurzweil. He's a computer scientist, and he's been given like four different awards from like four different presidents for his work in computers and stuff. This is like one of the smartest motherfuckers alive. And his, uh, his book is uh, The Age of Spiritual Machines, When Computers Exceed Human Intelligence. And, like, his future that he envisions is great. And I guarantee it won't happen that way. Because he's like, you know, we're going to integrate with... There is no utopia, man. No, it's not going to happen. It don't matter if it's computers or the ancient world. Mm-hmm. The, uto- the utopian idea. But, you know, we have seen some dystopian-type places. Absolutely. Some, some hell-on-earth-type places. So that's Several places in Africa, like right now. You know, Africa's having almost as many fires as the Amazon, apparently. That really? could have been obviously they are definitely are having a lot of fires. So Well, climate change. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's stuff going on all over. Uh natural disasters. Yep. Like not to sound un American in any way, because I don't mean it in this way, but I've legitimately considered moving to Canada. Because I mean, <clears throat> the world gets so hot, the water rises. Where do you want to be? Do you want to be in, I don't know, what would it be, Iowa? That's going to be like 140 degrees in the summertime? Or do you want to be in Canada where it's going to be like a livable temperature 30 years from now? Yeah. You know, so like maybe you get a head start because that's where everybody's going to go anyway. I thought you were going to say mm-hmm. medicine. Uh, medicine too. <laughs> yeah. Mean, that would be great. Uh, man, I, everybody has tried to to debunk like their their system. And like every time I like, try and debunk it for myself i'm like no they're fucking doing it way better than us i'd pay for that yeah like that's a better setup like dude when i like okay so i lucked out in that i work for this larger institution that has this great deal with this insurance company and like they have so many employees at uva system yeah 
So it's like, but like before I started working there, like we just had Blue Cross Blue Shield. Yep. Right? Myself and Cora. So like we got married, I turned 30 and she turned 25 all around the same time. Okay, so when all that happened, our insurance went up from like a hundred, like I was paying like a hundred bucks a month, right? It went up to over five hundred yeah. around that time, right? And now, and that was just health. Now I have like health, dental, um, everything, and retirement for like a hundred fifty bucks, and I was paying for less than I was paying for health. That's amazing because of just like working, but that's like that's just benefits of our like our labor system and like advances there and yeah. continued advances there and I'm I'm pro for continuing advances there as well and like people are like well what are you going to do if they make college free or and I'm like make it free or make it cheap as fuck yeah you know cuz like it's like I know a ton of people that will never go cuz they don't want to be in debt or people that can't can't this do anything normal because they can't pay it back. Like, fortunately, I'm able to pay it back without any stresses and worries. But, like, it only like it only sounds cool when I tell you how much money I made last year. And then when I'm like, yes, but the government took 38 percent of that. Mm-hmm. Like, quite literally. Like, by the time we took like my payroll taxes and everything off the top. Phoomp, it's yep. like, okay, so it's really only that much. And out of that much, there's a whole lot of other things came, you know. So Absolutely. it's just like the the pie just is sliced over and over and over and over again. Yep. I'm just like, I was teaching about the American Revolution today. I was like, I don't know how I have had to pay my payroll taxes this month, and we had a revolution over this shit, but let's talk about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like these people at one point, like the the colonists were like, we hate you so much. We're going to pay more for smuggled tea. When they threw the tea in the harbor, it was cheaper than any tea they could buy. Anywhere. Yeah. And it's it was just as good of a, just as good a tea. And they're like, we'll pay more. Like, that's some principles. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, that's... We don't have that now. People still buy shit from Walmart. <laughs> so here, dude, here's a, a, a funny uh, thing. So you know the story of Paul Revere? Grinding around telling everybody about the British coming? Never happened. See, that pisses me off. Me too. <clears throat> Why tell that story? Well, he did warn people, but everybody was British. So that saying that yeah, it wasn't what he shouted, essentially, yeah. is okay. that everybody thinks. And I, I was, I was um, hearing something else about this and reading about it is... Um, Somebody wrote a poem about Paul Revere, and that's why he's famous. Yeah. Like, oh, also, here's another thing. Uh, the Boston Massacre concept, he came up with that. Really? Yes. Okay, so what, um, like, it's it, several t- uh, particular junctures. The colonists uh, were able to circulate propaganda, like Lexington Concord. They got their story out first. So that's the one everybody remembers. But like uh, like John Adams defended the soldiers uh, that fired uh, on uh, in the Boston Massacre and got them off because like they deduced the and, and John Adams is one of the most radical people to want to break away 
John Adams was a cool guy. Yeah. You ever watch that HBO yes. series? That that they go over that, that courtroom. That's that's okay. that. That the whole first but yeah, they circulated Paul Revere circulated this engraving of uh, British officers shooting peaceful protesters and stuff. It's and that's what people that's the narrative. Yeah. You know. So I just include that in the story now and tell it. I'm like, yeah, that, that, they, those people are depicted as martyrs, but they were throwing rocks, snowballs, and they instigated most of what happened. And we think that somebody from their camp, and it was just proven in court or whatever, said fire. And that's what got the, the British officers to fire. So, Yeah. Samuel Adams, John Adams' cousin, was the leader of um, most of the shit going on with like groups like that, the Sons of Liberty and ruffians and and stuff, like always harassing, tar and feathering people. Like holy shit! Like why would you fucking tar and feather somebody? That's that's cruel, dude. That's terrible. That's a atro- that's atrocious. That is. What do you do? Yeah. Well, dude, let's go ahead and wrap this up, man. All right. That's good with you. It was two hours, by the way. Was it really? Yeah. I didn't even was, expect that. Dude. I was just having fun. Yeah. Dude, is this perfectly no, just normal? Like, see, people just don't do this anymore. Yeah. This so, is super fun. It's just like two bros hanging out at, at a table. Yeah. Talking so. about Tool and John Adams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, we just went full circle. We did. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, you can come on anytime. I'm always uh, looking for guests uh, cool. and always enjoy sitting down and talking to people. Coming up, I think I, I got like 70-something episodes out. So, and I was thinking the other day, it's like just sitting back and talking to 70 different people. Like, who does that? It's got to be beneficial in some way. Absolutely. I think it's beneficial. Yeah. So, but, uh, dude, you're welcome to come on anytime. So, cool. when, I'm, like, when you have a guest on, that'd be dude, cool just come and hey, hang out. You and Thurman should come on at the same time. That'd be cool. Because I, I, I just, just like saw Thurman post something about his thesis and I was like, dude, um, that'd be a great topic. Because the number one thing people ask me is like, dude, what are we going to talk about? And I'm like, dude, if we, I just started telling people this, I'm like, if we plan it, we might screw it up. Yeah. Right, some people like like come on, we're gonna talk about my book. I wrote a book, like, or I have this published article, or or whatever. I run an organization. We're gonna talk about that. Yeah, people come in with stuff like that. Otherwise, it's life unravel podcast and just talk about life and shit. Yeah. So I love the idea. This yeah. has been super fun. All right, dude. Well, thanks for your time. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Signing off. <laughs>